Welcome, everybody, to this exclusive nightclub-only podcast, where my guest today is Michelle Lowe. We engage in a deep exploration of yoga nidra, or yoga sleep, from a yogini's point of view, and we discover its many multi-layered applications to physical, psychological, and spiritual well-being. How exactly does yoga nidra relate to the koshas, or the sheaths? And where does it transition from entry-level bandwidths associated with liminal dreaming all the way to luminosity yoga in the Tibetan tradition? Michelle shares a number of really powerful personal stories revealing the transformative effects, healing effects for her of yoga nidra in her own life. The conversation then turns to how to actually get into this practice, including a conversation about the 61 points of light and the rotation of consciousness practice. Where do all the healing benefits come from and why can they occur so quickly and irrevocably? Michelle then talks about the importance of spiritually guided intention and why we need to be free of doubt. From releasing stress and tension all the way to exploring the clear light mind, Yoga Nidra expands all the nocturnal meditations. In the Hindu tradition, Yoga Nidra actually denotes the highest state of consciousness, as well as the state of Vishnu at the end of this world age, or Yuga. This is what makes this ancient practice so unique. From grade school all the way to grad school, Yoga Nidra is a type of physical, psychological, and spiritual ATV, or all states of consciousness practice, that anyone can readily engage and benefit from. Hey, welcome everybody to the Center of Mind podcast. Andrew Holacek here. Um, it's my complete, real, genuine delight to introduce you to a dear friend of mine, Michelle Lowe, who's, uh, as you'll see, just a remarkable individual. We had um, Fantastic opportunity to hang out quite a bit this summer at the wonderful Menla Retreat Center in upstate New York. I got to know her and her work um, even more intimately, and I'm super excited to share her light with our community. And so, let me, uh, as usual, a very brief introduction, and we're just going to jump right in. So, Michelle Lowe is an international yoga teacher and practitioner of Hatha and Tibetan yogas, and the founding director of the Vajra Yoga School of Comparative Buddhist and Indic Yogic Studies that she co-teaches with her mutual friend, Professor Robert Thurman. She has taught, practiced, and studied avidly since 1998 and continues to run her longtime yoga studio um, in Portland. She's also on the board of Tibet House USA and is devoted to supporting His Holiness the Dalai Lama's mission as well as preserving Tibetan culture and Dharma. And then the rest of her really rich bio along with um, associative links and whatnot we'll post as usual on the site but for now uh, michelle a deep warm welcome to our community and uh um, of gratitude in advance for taking the time out of your really busy schedule to chat with us we really appreciate it oh my pleasure andrew i'm a huge fan of yours and uh and so are many of the students that of course you know because of your relationship with bob and and uh, and Tibet House and Menla, there's so many people that I know that are devoted to you. And oh, it's so fun! It's yeah. really great to be here. Yeah, I wish I had more time to take all of your courses. Oh <laughs> yeah, likewise. My, <laughs> my bucket list to go through all of Andrew's offerings. Yeah, same with you and what you're doing with Bob yeah. is just amazing. But I, I, I want to start, Michelle. You you have one of the richest. Um, histories and, and a um, set of experiences around a topic that I think is a bit misunderstood in the West. 
and that I talk about um, within a particular context, which I will share with you. But I really want to hear and use as our kind of seed question for our conversation together, this uh, rich arena of study and practice called yoga nidra. Um, and so if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about how you got into yoga nidra, how it's benefited you, what is it exactly, and, and where does it you know stand in your life today? So lots of initial questions across the brow here, but this is such a rich arena that my community is super interested in. Well, I, I love yoga nidra and I love talking about it. So thank you for cool. the question. Uh, so I started practicing yoga nidra pretty much at the beginning of my yoga career. So I'd say 1998. And then I got, uh, I, I was very blessed to have at the, at the first studio that I was teaching at and practicing in 2000, a teacher that was, had, uh, was very close to Richard Miller, mm -hmm. who has uh, developed a system of yoga nidra called IRS. Mm -hmm. And Richard Miller uh, taught my colleague, Simon Menashe. And, uh, and so that was the first system that I learned. And I practiced that for a long time. Uh, yeah, 20 some years. And then it wasn't until after, oh, okay, so then I'll, I'll back up. So when I was practicing eye rest, I, I had a very restful practice, healing practice, uh, effects on my body and mind. And I felt it was just a really good adjunct to uh, relaxing and feeling free of stress and uh, working with the rest of my yoga practice. Um, I could, it, it really helped me to learn to, to let go to surrender and just really be deeply present. Mm -hmm. And it also helped me to work with that uh, the witness consciousness. Mm -hmm. You know, we would mm -hmm. say uh, Purusha, right? Mm -hmm. in, in Sanskrit, mm -hmm. the seer, that one that sees. So for me, it was a bit more of a sort of a dualistic practice at that time of kind of uh, being connected to my body, uh, dissolving things that were, creating pain in the physical body, kind of going through all of the sheaths, the layers of the body, or in, in uh, classical yoga, we'd call them the koshas, right? And so that working with the mind and the physical body and, um, and the, mental, the mental body, of course, and emotions, and then the bliss body. And I had delighted in those practices, but then it was really a probably Yes, it was in 2012 that I first was exposed to more of the Sri Vidya uh, Tantra. And I was practicing a lot of Sri Vidya Tantra and working with people that had connected to the Himalayan master teaching te teachers. And with that and sort of the Nyasa practice that we were doing and just more time to move into the heart and meditate and rest there, I started to have sort of deep, uh, you know, you can say, I mean, we never like to say samadhi, but it was, it was definitely a single point awareness, uh, bliss, more of a, a clarity of mind, a connecting to original mind, maybe we could say uh, Mahamudra type of, you know, it's, it's hard to put a name to it. It's Turiya, uh, the four state, but it was, um, they were, it was a very different type of experience. 
And then when I did uh, in 2014, my first Abhishekam with His Holiness the Dalai Lama in Ladakh, India, in Kala Chakra, and I started to uh, deeply study with Bob. I was very fortunate that to have Bob Thurman there with me. Uh, so the empowerment counted <laughs> because he told us what was going to happen before we went in to the, the grounds to, to, you know, hear his holiness. And then he explained what happened right after. So we were having an understanding and at the same time receiving the teachings. And uh, that just, the similarities uh, between what was happening there. In fact, I had really quite profound dreams, you know, the day before the initiation. All of my Kala Chakra Abhishekams have had very powerful dreams uh, right before, which are, yeah, if we have time, I'll tell you about them. <laughs> but, but anyway, so yes, yeah, so that's when that and the Sri Vidya type, the Nyasa type, that I was really practicing started to connect the dots and, and kind of Vajrayana um, helped me then to see what was happening in my personal practice of yoga nidra was, uh, was maybe not too much different. <laughs> and now I've jumped to, after having studied, you know, uh, as much as I can with people like you, that, to and reading your books, of course, and, and and it's 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 really to me uh, they're not that much different. So it's an entryway. It's been an entryway uh, for sure to working with the practice of uh, sleep and dream yogas and the clear, yeah. the night yogas and even some of the clear light sleep, which is what I like to call call the yoga nidras that I do clear light yoga nidra. And anyway. Yeah. So that's, well, that's, that's, it. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. It's really rich. And so um, most people listening will know what we're talking about here when we talk about yoga nidra, but nidra is Sanskrit for um, sleep, right? So it's basically what you talk about sleep yoga, but it's interesting, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, Michelle, it's a little bit um, different from the the classic uh, Ursula luminosity yoga, sleep yoga, and, and for instance, the six yogas of, of Naropa, right? So can you talk right. to us, before we go to the to that deeper end of the pool, because obviously that's where you have just uh, tremendous uh, expertise and experience, maybe talk to us a little bit about the your entry, more about your entry experiences with Yoga Nidra as, as liminal state experiences, because often when I'm sharing what what yoga nidra is at least at entry levels i i equate it more with like liminal dreaming exploration right. hypnagogic basis so talk to us a little bit about that kind of entry level approach to yoga nidra before we go to the real deep end of the clear light right so well most of the the yoga nidra if you just like go onto youtube and you you know you connect to yoga nidra um, relaxation practices there they're really going to be liminal um, practice so I would say 99% yeah. of it is. And, and then, uh, so, you know, for me, I, well, I had, and that was really quite, it's a, a quite powerful practice because uh, I used that at the point that I had a brain injury mm -hmm. in 2019 and I couldn't really sleep. Uh you know, I was often just in that place because I couldn't go, you know, really any deeper. So that was how I would get rest. And 
then then that that started to move to when I started to get better at that and also starting to work with dream yoga practice more always in the morning when I would wake up I would go back in especially if I wanted to kind of stay in the liminal state I would just go back into yoga nidra and then try to catch the dream back again so I would stay there I just learned to work with you know, if I was coming out, I'd go back in and use some of my techniques in yoga nidra and pop back into liminal and then see if I could, you know, re-catch everything. So, yeah, so that's the, the difference is the time, mm-hmm. uh, the time length that you're there. Because if you're only, if, if you do a yoga nidra practice online and it's about usually they're about sometimes 20 minutes even quite short 20 30 minutes that's all you're going to be in is liminal and that's just because of the uh the brain waves you really need to be 45 minutes to in to to catch that delta and then have the possibility the delta waves to be that slow that you can go into more of the um to the sleep state mm-hmm. and and so the other thing is, is where you rest your mind, because depending on how they do the yoga nidra, for instance, Richard Miller works a lot with opposing patterns. So you're forced, like if he's working on the physical body, you would be feeling, say a common one is to feel the quality of heaviness in the body. And then you focus on that for a while. And then you would shift to focusing on lightness and, and that, and then you would bring the two together and that witness consciousness would then be able to see in the pouring together of opposing patterns, the witness consciousness would, would reflect, you know, it kind of reflects in that pause an inability to hold uh, a po- you know, or the ability to hold opposing patterns, right? It just comes back. So, so that um, uh, these, oh, let's let's see where where I've I've just lost my train of thought. So we're back to. Well, I think one, one, one way we could talk about this, let me just, let me just um, ping this. Or ask me the question again. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. It, it's basically the, the relationship of entry level um, yoga nidra as liminal dreaming, um, eventually taking you all the way to the deep end of the pool with clear light. And so let me just ping something here that yeah. may be a, a benefit is that um, the more I explore this practice of yoga nidra, it's, a, a, it's kind of a multivalent practice, which means it has mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a number of different iterations, expressions, and then engagements. We can use it in so right. many different ways, each one of which has its own applicability, bandwidth, and value. And so I think that's also very helpful because... So that's where I was going. Yeah, yeah. because so it's like with Richard's style, he's working with the opposing patterns, you're going back and forth and you and then it's it's really of a witness consciousness and it's connected to these various sheaths of the body. When you're working with like a nyasa practice, you're going around and you're placing, uh, you know, whether, whether it's points of light or you're working with... Uh, mantra, you're placing those in various parts of the body. 61 points is classical. Uh, you, you can have, you know, rotation of awareness. And then there's different, depending on the type, I use all of them, but there's also uh, a, types of yoga nidra that, that gets you to go through rotation of consciousness and then place visuals in. And I like to utilize those as entryway to work it with dream yoga practice. Mm. But 
so all of those keep you in that sort of liminal state. Mm -hmm. But then when you want to go deeper, you have to be able to at some point and be there long enough to where the body gets relaxed and actually invite it to go into a sleep state. So most of them keep you liminal by continuing to talk you through. So there's uh, the person helping you, the guide helping you, or, you know, of course I practice yoga nidra on my own, so you don't need that, but a guide to do it. But if you, you have a certain setup, rotation of consciousness, relax the body, get the body completely relaxed. And then the, where it moves beyond, beyond the liminal is when you can go into the heart and, or you could do throat if you wanted to, but for me, I, my focus is on the heart. And then you just practice with in silence and that it takes at least it's usually about 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes of total silence and meditation where you start to access that state of sleep in the heart and rest awareness in the state of sleep. And sometimes for me, that's where I will, you know, focus on the blue light in the heart, mm-hmm. the mantra, and just go to sleep in my heart. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can start to notice, of course, you can catch it through eight stages of dissolution that will even pop up there and, and catch clear light sleep. So, but you have to be, it could be that you're resting there for an hour before it happens, 90 minutes, two hours, you know, so... I utilize, I accessed that after my brain injury because I couldn't sleep for three hours or four hours. So, you know, it was, it was that waking constantly. And then, but I wanted to be able to put my body to sleep. So I used yoga nidra as a way to put myself to sleep. And that's when I found that you could actually it was not so different from having, you know, an, a, a beyond, it was, it was beyond liminal. It was indescribable, but you were, you were, you could be there and in bliss and be asleep. And so this is fantastic. Say, say a little bit more, if you would, when you talk about, you're talking about doing the rotation of consciousness, the rotation of awareness, and then what, then what makes it kind of a transition into dream yoga or even sleep yoga, you use the phrase on uh, you place visuals. And so I want you to elaborate on that. I, I, I would suspect you're talking about then concentrating either on the throat for um, dream yoga or the heart right. for sleep yoga. And so it, it, can you say a little bit more about the, like the, the, um, mantra that's associated with that and how you sure. actually. Sure. Then, so that? for instance, you would, you could go into the throat and you could actually see the petals and the anutara om anutara you could you could actually see a seed syllable and just meditate there so once the body is relaxed then and i do these all the time i actually expanded my yoga nidra practices to when i'm when i'm working with students on a familiarization retreat they're and then this is then again with visuals, I actually, you know, because Bob and I teach Kala Chakra retreat, familiarization retreats. So on those retreats, students have a, when they're especially entry level, um, they're still having a hard time, you know, thinking about what Kala Chakra is holding in, in, in their 24 arms and, you know, all of their, you know, Vajra Bell, Sword and Shield, and, you know, Katvanga and try to hit, 
tipped Katvanga all the way up. So I I started doing these these yoga nidras where I would put people out into, you know, by going through rotation of conscious, getting the body very relaxed. And then, and this is liminal too, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. this practice is liminal. Mm-hmm. And then tell, talking them through the mandala and even entering the doors. And then now you're Kala Chakra and you have this, and they come out of it remembering everything that they were holding. And so it's a fast way, as you know, from reading about yoga nidra, from what it does for memory and, and the benefits for liminal type, you can use visuals like that. Um, but then if you're using it for as a way to go kind of beyond into sleep and dream, that's where get the body so relaxed and then just meditate on that lotus, that seed syllable, and then in silence in that meditation, go into your sleep or dream yoga practice. So you're, 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 it's actually counter to what most people do with yoga nidra, which is not fall asleep. <laughs> right? Yeah. But we're trying to do so. And for me, it works, but maybe I'm, I'm off my rock. <laughs> no, no, hardly. I mean, really in, in, in my languaging, Michelle, this would be also um, termed again in, in a, a little bit deeper kind of intermediate um, relationship to yoga nidra is uh, lucid sleep onset. In other words, you're basically, you know, as you know, there's two ways to bring about lucidity. Let's, let's just say dreams. There's two ways to bring it about. We can either initiate lucidity within the dream. Um, that's called a dream-initiated lucid right. dream. Or or you can bring it with you. That's called awake-initiated right. lucid dream. And right. So this is more greasing the skids for that more advanced way to basically maintain a thread of, of awareness consciousness through the witnessing stance, um, and basically bringing, um, tucking that awareness into you, uh, into your mind as you go to sleep. So that when you enter the dream arena, then of course yes. it's lucid. You're bringing your awareness into that. Does that resonate with your experience? That's, that that does. That very much does resonate. It's yeah. exactly it. Perfect. So, so let's, let's 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 backpedal for just a second because uh, some of our listeners may not be that familiar with like the context, the, the history of yoga nidra, its relationship. You know, like Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Hindu approaches like do you have a sense of yeah you know uh I I don't have I'm not the best person on the history of it in regards to that I think I think I would say 10th 11th century Mahasiddhas mm-hmm. is really you know that time both the, with the Mahasiddhas um both the the Indian masters and into and Tibetan masters as well that moving into uh, practice together so i think it's around that time and mm-hmm. from this point the is definitely the nyasa practice is um is at least it's even older than that so mm-hmm. i would you know my my feeling is that they've been doing it for a long time yeah. because when you're practicing right we're in dark retreat we're on we're on retreat we're we're practicing and then you you spend time lying down <laughs> and you know it's it's uh i think that we've been doing this in this way formal way placing mantra and visualizing the the mantra in going to sleep and dream like this since you know probably much before we get uh six, of course six yogas of naropa and niguma mm-hmm. um 
and those maha, that maha siddha period, uh, that's there's those sleep and dream yogas. I'm I'm sure that you had the other Himalayan masters doing the same thing, but they just called it different. So it's yoga nidra. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know, you know, but uh, the history so you, way back, that's not my thing. So much. Well, that, that's totally fine. So do you, do you find yourself drawing more on, on Hindu um, re, uh, expositions of this practice? Because it's not that overtly um, articulated. Or, or what, l- let me phrase this no. the way then. So where, where do you find your kind of textual and, and uh, historical yeah I just see see that's I'm a practitioner Mm -hmm. I'm a yogini so I'm finding it from memory and from Mm -hmm. intuitive knowledge so that's why I can say you know I'm just not I'm I'm really the not the one to go back into history and do all of the research and time and dates and who figured it out and all of that it's just more about remembering beautiful and knowing that this is this is how uh you know, I'm trying to figure out what my connection with the Tibetans is, because certainly, you know, I came into doing 25 years of Hatha Yoga, and then I met Bob Thurman, and then it's just one after another. So I'm going right. to be teaching with a co-retreat with Kalo Rinpoche on Lady Naguma Yoga at Menla. Oh, fantastic. And wow. yeah, and, and the beginning of April and, and, uh, I'm friends with Ling Rinpoche now, and I had audience with His Holiness this year. You know, that's yeah, just very strange. I, I don't know what's going on with all of it. But, I wouldn't say it's strange. I think that's pretty pretty beautiful. It's, well, yeah. it's very beautiful, and <laughs> and they do they do visit, and you know there there's um, it's very easeful for me to lay my head in the Guru's lap and go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. You know, very so, useful. Like so, it's remembering. I think we did it did it before and that's where i'm getting it i have to say i'm kind of making it up as i go along but it's yeah. not from out of nowhere it's from it, it's right. from an intuitive knowing and so you know, the uh, and practice you have to practice it a lot you don't just you know you have to do it so that's the other thing is i i've been practicing them working with them and from that uh sharing it and so it, this this is really nice because you know the Vajra region once um, famously said the essence of spiritual practice is remembrance, and that applies on so many different yeah. levels. And so the fact that you're actually calling on the the inner lineage, the guru within—I mean, you're drawing on that own innate wisdom on one level makes it a really direct lineage transmission and more impactful. And so for people, yeah. so for, let's, let's let's talk about this briefly. So so for people that are relatively new to this, so before we before we go off the um, or really take the deep dive for, for someone who's who's interested in learning about um yoga nidra classically what what what, what might you, you recommend for a beginner who really wants to explore this um kind of liminal practice from a um, yoga nidra point of view what's the best way for for someone to come into this uh, sphere of practice take my course that starts tomorrow night <laughs> 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 and if they, can't come, if they can't come to that yeah it's it, we're going to do three five days and so it's a hundred hundred hours but uh and it's all um you know on the teachable flat platform but Fantastic. but right so what i do is i introduce all of the different types and so we 
you know, we look at the classical way, right? The classical way would be to work with the koshas, the layer mm -hmm. of the body, layers, mm -hmm. various sheaths of the body. And so this way of working, well, your physical body, your mental, your, your pranic body, your mental body, your intuitive body, and your the anandamaya kosha, the bliss body. Mm -hmm. And and then and none of and all of those are considered to be illusory, right? The Maya Koshas. So Yoga Nidra working on each one of those and the various types of Yoga Nidras that do take us into liminal state, um, each system we explore. So I will teach, for instance, the Richard Miller style where we work with opposing patterns, which is very, very good for all of those layers. But I particularly like it for the mental sheath, the manamaya kosha. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can you know, go back and forth. And it's great for templates of belief too that are stored in the vijnanamaya kosha, you know, the intuitive place. It's that when we really want to, to open up to the buddhi, that part of mind that creates the, you know, that is our Buddha, um, our inner teacher that uh, what's blocking that are templates of belief. Mm -hmm. So then we do this vichara and, and deeper inquiry to go through that. But the mental sheath is great for that because you can look at uh, where you store hatred in your body and then where you store, store, you know, love in, or, mm -hmm. or joy. And, and these going back and forth, giving sort of cues during a yoga nidra, uh, to work with these emotional uh, triggers and bringing those up to to look at and seeing that they're energy. Okay, so that would be one way. And so so also we work with the the system of placing yasa, sixty one points of light, mm -hmm. and then allowing people to just rest in awareness. And then sometimes moving off into deeper experiences. And then the very common type uh, that that's used, uh, which I really love, which is a rotation of consciousness, and then using visuals that are said very quickly to also trigger. It's very similar to Richard's in a, in a sense, Richard Miller's way of using opposing patterns to kind of bring up, bubble this energy up and, and look at it and, and allow it to dissolve. But uh, that uses quick images. So they might be every, anything from a plate of cookies to the moon in water, reflected in water to, you know, the earth seen from, uh, from above, from space. Uh, you know, to a, a snake coiled three and a half times, to a woman crying, to a man on a on a sofa with his dog, or you know, anything that kind of brings up people's memories, and they're said quickly, and that is uh, also wonderful practice. So yeah, going through those different different types, we teach those and uh, teach the background to them, but. In regards to formal courses, my friend, uh, Rod Stryker, mm -hmm. I used to assist Rod. He's got his Par Yoga Nidra training as well. And that's a good introductory course. And goodness, as far as other Yoga Nidra trainings, I think Richard's, you know, his really 
quite fantastic. His IRIS program is still very, very good. Mm -hmm. And he's a scientist. So, you know, that would be another one that I'd recommend. And I think that for entry level, it's really excellent. We we had the opportunity, um, this one a couple of years ago, to have uh, Richard on. And as you know, yeah, he's really a a treasure trove of knowledge on this sort of thing. Right. So can you say just a little bit more? I'm mean, really intrigued by this rotation of consciousness thing. You, you seem to hint at a little bit. Again, we, we only have so much time to get into the weeds here. Yeah. But just say a little bit about that, um, how, how that actually uh, works as a, as a method technique in and of itself, what, what the actual mechanics of that might actually entail. Okay. So, so you know, for, first of all, when we just do a straight body scan, for people to connect with their body and relax the body, right? That's a classic quick thing that we can do. Feel your feet, feel or feel your palm, feel the, the forehead, feel the third eye, feel inside your mouth, et cetera. So you can do sort of how Richard works with rotation of consciousness is he does it randomly. He'll, he'll, it'll never be the same. Hop from here, from there, move around and feel. But most of the the Sri Vidya tradition works with a very precise pattern. It's always the same. So you would do this nyasa, and that would rotate rotate the consciousness in those particular points, starting with the brow level, going to the throat then to the right shoulder, elbow, wrist, right thumb tip, index finger, middle, you know, etc. And then go back up precise order. Another that I'm that I feel is the most, and that's a fantastic 61 points of light is I, I practice it daily. You know, this is just a perfect way to relax the body and prepare it then for then doing my sleep and dream yoga practices, you know, my night yoga practices. And that's one that everybody can easily, once they have that pattern, it's an excellent way to prepare to go into practices, especially if they need to unwind or they need healing or, you know, so that's, that's fantastic for that. But then uh, the last that I love for getting people that are really tense is a rotation of consciousness that we just like to call nickname the homunculus, but because it's kind of patterned off of that funny, funny thing that they used to think that we have right. a little man inside the brain. Okay. So the homunculus way of doing things, I, I love because it really gets people Uh, so so deeply relaxed in fact most of them fall asleep and and so you have to keep if you want them to stay liminal you have to keep telling them do not fall asleep stay awake and aware do not fall asleep stay awake and aware but that is uh, also a precise pattern and the rotation of a consciousness would then start in the hand and move up the arm and back down and then go to the leg. So you would do right side of the body, left side of the body, and then go up to the head and down and front and back. So you're covering the entire body in a particular pattern. And that's also easy to learn. And then you can do that on your own. And it has very 
deep. I'm not sure why. I've, I've been trying to figure this out, but that particular pattern just allows us to go into the deepest rest. So I could do it for you if you like, but, but then we would you you drop out and there would be no Wait, more. Exactly. <laughs> you would be, you could tell us your dream. You'd be off flying. Well, you know what we should what we could definitely do, Michelle, is 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 provide a link at the bottom sure. where, where you have something like that where 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 people yeah. could actually be guided by you into the sort of thing because again this stuff yeah I'd love stuff, to do that this stuff is so beautiful because it, it, it's a marvelous practice in and of itself but it also provides it's a really one way the first of the natural meditations because it provides uh, the off ramp so to speak onto these um, and so so as, as as we go deeper into it we become a little bit more familiar with it I would suspect with you as with me then the the depths start to naturally reveal themselves. You realize, whoa, yeah. there's there's really this is a really wonderful multi-layered practice. So maybe talk to us a little bit about how this may you suggested something about this earlier, but how this unfolded for you in your own practice, and then ways for the listener to um, be invited to explore how this can eventually take you all the way to um, uh, clear light yoga, to, to Ursula sleep yoga as it's defined in, in the six yogas. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, you know, first of all, I think that the yoga nidra is, I wanted to talk a little bit and let people know that I also think it's just extraordinarily healing for the physical body. And one of the things that happened to me during my, traumatic brain injury is, uh, you know, of course, I, again, I couldn't sleep through the night and I had a, um, the, the sympathetic nervous system was dominating. The cortisol was high and, you know, the, 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 uh, pituitary was affected. So I wasn't producing the hormone to keep me asleep. And so we do yoga nidras to, to rest and, and that that was extraordinarily healing for for my my body. I don't think I would be where I'm at today, you know, uh, just three years after that, because I had to learn how to read again and uh, balance. Everything was was taken out. So a lot of vestibular training and occupational therapy and speech therapy and yoga nidra really accelerated the healing. But right before the pandemic. Uh, well, it was at the pandemic start. I was still quite bad and going, you know, three or four times a week for therapy and still having seizures. And the pandemic hit and I fell down the stairs. I wasn't, they weren't seeing me for therapy. So I fell down and I landed on my shoulder and my knees my left shoulder and my knees and one of my knees buckled back and I thought oh I have a PCL injury for sure the pain was extraordinary and the left shoulder was also swollen like crazy it couldn't lift my arm move it in any direction I thought I've certainly torn my rotator cuff and I know enough you know as a yoga therapist and was it working with what was happening so I started calling and I had my husband call, you know, the doctors to try to see if I could get anybody to give me an MRI or, but the whole city was shut down. There was nobody that would take you. And I called, you know, orthopedic surgeons. My first 
orthopedic surgeon. I was calling everybody, all of the people that had been seeing me at the hospital and uh, nobody would take the, take the call. Even I'd leave messages. Nobody would call back. I, and I called my neurologist and he, he called back about uh, three weeks later, maybe three or four weeks later, finally to make an appointment. But really the pain was extraordinary. I had about a week of lying in bed in misery, you know, with ice and all of the different things I was trying to do to just get comfortable and I could not sleep. And so I finally, one night was doing yoga nidra and I was asking, you know, Buddhas and protectors and all the deities and angels and everybody in within this yoga nidra. And I placed the 61 points of light and, and then at one point, I realized that I was sleeping and, and all this light was pouring in and I was sleeping and light was moving into my body. And all of these 61 points were lit up and they were, it was like the stars above were connecting to the stars in the body. And there was just streams of light. And then I became lucid and then I became a return to sort of ordinary consciousness, waking consciousness. And I thought, I've been asleep. How wonderful I was sleeping. And then I thought, wait, I don't have the pain like I did. And then I started to move my arm and move my leg. And it was completely well. <laughs> and so then when the neurologist called me, I said, Dr. Chestnut, strangest when he asked me, well, I hear you, you fell again. And this one is really bad. And I'm sorry we couldn't get to you, you know, et cetera. And I said, the strangest thing happened. You know, I think I had like this. All I could say to him was, it's like an angelic healing or something. And he said, that's all you can do right now. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and he said, good for you. And he, he just said, it's fantastic. It's good for you. So, so you know, I'm not supposed to uh, make claims like this, right? I get in trouble with Yoga Alliance. But I do think if you can really relax and, and work with this practice, that the, the type of healing benefits, especially if you work with classically in Yoga Nidra, we, we use, as we do, you know, in Buddhism, we work with a high spiritually guided vow and intention, a sankalpa. And, uh, you know, we, of course, the bodhisattva vow is one of those. We state them three times, but we can also do this for the, the other things, you know, intentions can be based on healing. It can be based on whatever it is, is needed. So. Well, I think it, you're uh, sharing... I think your sharing of it is really inspirational. Um, certainly is for me. Can, can you say, Michelle, or to what do you then attribute the healing? I mean, where, where, where do you think what what gave rise to that type of resolution with your body? Where do you think that yeah. came from? I, I, you know, this is a really this is a really good question, Andrew. And I'll have to say that uh, I think some things you just you just don't know, but I do. Because anything I say, it's isn't it in yeah. a way it doesn't give it justice. But I would say, 
you know, uh, yeah, it's sort of, uh, I mean, I do from do very much feel connected to uh, Buddhas and protectors and the, the universal energy, the clear light energy. So it's, yeah. it's there for us to draw. Upon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's there. Yeah. We have this infinite energy that, that everything is, and this is the, the infinite energy of, of uh, immeasurable love. And, and it's the infinite energy. It's, it's, yes, it's clear light energy. So we can draw upon it and it can bring healing and we just have to open ourselves up to it. Yeah. So this is why I think it's helpful. Sometimes with people that have come to do yoga nidra workshops with me or just taking a yoga nidra at, uh, at men lab. We do some usually at night, the last session and they'll say, I've been meditating for you know, 25 years and I've never had a samadhi experience before. I'm very demoted, devoted to my practice and I daily, you know, have a daily practice, but I had this happen. You know, I had this experience. So here tonight, and I think it's because people can, they really just finally let go and they're held in that container Mm -hmm. and that's how it happens. Yeah. I think if I might, if I might just, um, um, Put forth a, a possible uh, conjecture of, of what this could be. What, what I what I come onto this that I think is really, really beautiful resonates more and more with what I'm talking about these days. Is you know we tend in the West to have this um, default thing to the context being f- physical, material, um, and then kind of the spiritual thing is held within that, or or at best a sidebar. Yeah. But I think what I hear when I see this, um, hear this experience from you, Michelle, is that it points to the power of the, the heart mind. Yeah. It, point, it points to the foundational. I, I don't want to use the word supremacy because that's not the right word, but the, the extraordinary power of opening to that type of healing energy. And then in a very real way, because it is, it actually is more foundational. It's right. You know, heart mind a spirit, whatever mind consciousness doesn't arise from matter. I mean, it's completely backwards. And so when we touch into something that something that's actually more foundational than even matter itself, i.e. the body, then I think because it is so foundational, I would conjecture that that's where perhaps the healing comes from because you're opening, touching into something upon which again, with the koshas, this totally makes sense, right? Right. That that is an expression of this more foundational basis. Um, And so I think these, these types of stories are really important because they're they're inspirational for people. It's like, okay, oh, you know, my life is so busy. Why should I bother? I often playfully say when we when people work with the nocturnal meditations, that's where ego puts his big do not disturb sign up, right? You know, you can rouse me from my psycho-spiritual slumber during the day, but you know, do not touch me when I sleep, right? And so, and so if we have a deeper understanding of these, these, this power and your sharing of it, which is really very beautiful. Then it certainly inspires me. It's like, okay, you know, this is why it may be worth exploring something like this, developing some facility. Um, because when you're working with something so so foundational, you know, again, we started with you're working with the roots of your experience, then the, the other koshas, the body itself, then naturally kind of realign or heal because it's so foundational. And the clear light, everything comes from the clear light is an expression of the clear light. So when you tap into it, 
whoa, look what happened. You know, so to speak, miraculous, right? Yes, yes, so, very yeah. much so. I, I think that's a, the, the thing too with, um, you know, with, with those classic way, so 11th century mm, scripture, Tripura Rihasya talks about Sankalpa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it says that sankalpa or this intention, this spiritually guided intention, which is based on the purusha arthas, right? The the purusha man's four uh, desires or four um, potentials, and the first being dharma. You know, to really know their dharma, and the second artha, you know, that have to have the means to do that, and the third is kama, the pleasure, the art, you know, and the, and then last is moksha, liberation, mm-hmm. right? But so it, and then this is it. It speaks about the purusha arthas, and then that you set your sankalpa, your intention, mm-hmm. based on one of those whatever is needed at that time. So if you uh, don't know what your, why you're here, what your life purpose is, you know, what your mission is, then, then that's can be the, that's the focus. But if you have that, maybe you don't have, you know, you're an artist, but you don't have the means to, to focus on the art. So then you might make your sankalpa around the arta. The means to bring that in. Maybe you have all of that, but you need more. You don't want connection, relationship, pleasure. All of those two middle ones are kind of controversial, of course. But then the last one, you know, the moksha, the liberation, the freedom, or the enlightenment. And this one is, of course, where we're, you know, our our territory, right? As Buddhist practitioners. But so uh, this scripture, then, then. you know, says that you have to, if you are going to have success with your sankalpa, you base make one based on one of those. Mm. But then if you're going to have success with it, it needs to be free of any doubt, free from the stains mm. of doubt. Mm. Absolutely free from, and it uses stains, you know, and this is a thing that I find like, when you say going back down to the heart mind, you know, because so many of us really we're practicing, but then we don't really believe that it's possible even to be liberated in one lifetime. But I really do. <laughs> I, you know, and I've seen that it's that if this yogini can have the changes and things happen from a place of great suffering and real trauma as a child. Uh, to now, you know, having a joyous life and helping others, and you know, being at peace and and content, and then having the great blessing of this human life and being exposed to you know the Buddhist teachings as well, and this able eightfold noble path, noble eightfold path, yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's just a treasure. Um, so, you know, I just. I, I I really believe that we can, uh, if we all use the mind, this great mind, if we can become really truly free of 
the obscurations, you know, the, the, and, and then be free of, of any doubt that we can change things, that we can transform, that we can use this Corolite energy. We could save our planet. We have the brilliant people here. You know, we, we, we don't have to see it all go down, <laughs> you know, but so many people I know are really just really think it's impossible. And that, uh, so I think that that's something I like to, I, I just say to you that what you, you sparked that for me by saying, coming back down to that essential and heart mind and that there in that space, anything is possible. Yeah. But we also, and then we can start to realize that, yeah, I was completely surrendered then I didn't have any other options <laughs> you know so it was a, just a point of like complete letting go into it and uh I had a friend a yoga student very early on when I was teaching seriously and Atha yogi and she practiced at the Shambhala Center hmm. um, but she had pancreatic cancer and it was stage four and they finally she was a mom and had a couple twin children four years old and another daughter who was seven and she asked her family if it would be okay if she went to Colorado and spent time with uh uh the Sakyong mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and he was there and uh, do a month retreat with him. And she said goodbye to her family, thought she would die there because hmm. it was really, really bad. She didn't have very much time. And she had been through this for years and had gone in remission and now was back in a serious way. So she went and she let go and she said her goodbyes. When she came back, she didn't have any more cancer. No way. Wow. And people flipped around her they thought yeah. she was you know they got scared of being in her presence wow. because it was just so miraculous but i think that part of letting go so again you know back to yoga nidra i think it's just a great all-around practice to help mm. us relax yeah. to help us let go to help us get out of stress to help to trust that the that the more we let go the more we are supported uh we when we just you know, even sometimes I think with my Vajrayana practice, there's so much ritual and things that I have to do, you know, and keep my Samaya and everything. And so then I, I and, and then going back into Yoga Nidra makes it a little easier than to pop in, you know, so. It's fantastic. I mean, it's really inspirational. Not only the story of the, of the, the woman who had the healing, um, but also where this has taken you and what what his, it has accomplished and released you from in your own lifetime. Um, I mean, it's really fantastic. I mean, really. Well, we all have this. We're humans. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it's really interesting. We're, we're often, one of the things I reflect here, Michelle, is, um, you know, there's so many different levels of fear um, that we all have. But I think on one level, I think on one level we're 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 afraid of our own power on one level. Um and therefore that's where the doubt comes in. We we actually doubt that we are Tara or Vajrayagini. So we have to fake it, which is great. It's what the practice are for. Yeah. We fake it, we fake being Kala Chakra. That's beautiful. Yeah. But we we're of two minds, literally doubt. And so 
the more I hear these sorts of things, the more it brings about the zigi, this confidence that that within that that you know the, again tying it back in essence of spiritual practices remembrance we are the buddha we are the deity yeah. and we forget and so when we open 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 relax 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 which is what this marvelous practice of yoga nidra does and eventually yes on a provisional level it relaxes the body in this conventional healing way but more fundamentally it'll allow you to relax into the nature of mind reality itself the clear light mind yeah. and then from there again then we have these miraculous powers because we we are those powers. And so the more we have this right view right. that don't be afraid of your power, don't be afraid to shine. Um, you just have to release, get out of the way, let go, and this radiant healing light not only will cure you, but in this dark age, will then radiate, I can see it in your very presence, shines forth and then helps us in this Kali Yuga, you know, helps the world right now. So again, that's the other thing yeah. to always bear in mind, we're not just doing this for ourselves, right? We're doing it for the benefit of others and for this world that's in such need. Um, most definitely. This is and, and and this this is why uh, you know Bob and I started to do this Vajra Yoga uh, school because one of the things that that is so important to us is that this uh, altruistic intention, bodhicitta, this spirit of enlightenment, uh, that we we aren't just practicing for ourselves and that we are great powerful beings and with our presence, you know, the, with the Buddha's breath and just being in the presence of, of uh, you know, that we will have the tools to help others and that we are these powerful beings and we'll be able to make sure. So, yeah, I think this goal vehicle, that's, that was so extraordinary for me because uh, when I was practicing Trividya before I even knew that uh, it was I was just it was just at the beginning of it and I didn't have explanation yet about what was happening I didn't understand deity yoga and I was chanting the Lalita Sahasranama and disappeared and and when I came back I realized or I saw myself as not my ordinary self. Mm. I was something else. Then it was like a, a, a female presence, an energy, mm. a, a goddess type of energy, mm. something there. And then my Judeo-Christian upbringing came in right. and said, who right. the hell do you think you are? Right. And at that point, it collapsed and I was miserable. And then I had oh. horrible fevers for a few days. Then I gave up that practice. I had no idea that that was actually then then later you know you have you you go in and do do, go to um you know practice the gold vehicle and you're there creating yourself Mm. as the deity and only luck lucky if you ever come upon that but you can you know you you can do it if you keep again getting out of the way so we're practicing being that but then sometimes not knowing is helpful (laughs) <laughs> That's the case of yeah. Uh, I think yeah. The, the, I would love to arise as Bajrogini and right. just like that spontaneously, but but uh, yeah, it's, it's it, it, too much. <laughs> this this um this this little clip came to mind. I, I think it was W. C. Fields. I'm not sure. Again, I'll, I'll take wisdom wherever I can get it. <laughs> where he said, "It's not what they call you; it's what you answer to." And so, and so, (laughs) you know, they call you provisionally Michelle and you, you answer to that, but no, you're really Kara, you're really Kala Chakra, right? And so to me, this, this is the, this is Mantaka. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The death destroyer. So this is really the, the really beautiful technique 
of divine pride that, and again, it is not a criticism to the Abrahamic traditions and their interesting way of looking at original sin, that sort of thing. Well, these wisdom traditions talk about original purity, original divinity, original goodness, basic goodness. And so understanding this, we, we, we have to cut ourselves a little bit of slack in the Western world. I remember Chango Rinpoche said something very beautiful along these lines where somebody was talking to him about um, his, his study of Buddhism when he was a young child into that. And he said something really, really lovely. He said, you know, you have to realize how lucky I was. Here I am. I'm in a, cult, a country and a culture that's so steeped on the Dharma. It's like everybody's living, breathing the Dharma. He said, for me, it was easy. And he didn't say it directly, so I'm putting words in his mouth. But he said, give yourself a little bit of a break. It, it's not that easy in the West where we're brought up, you know, this, yeah. this, this enculturation of the Abrahamic traditions has had a massive insidious deleterious effect on our culture and this poverty mentality. And so therefore, when we hear these things, I mean, what you said, like, who do you think you are? That's oh, fantastic, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, you remember, you know, I am whatever the deity. So the practice of That's divine right. pride, and then guess what? When you when you settle into reality, then that, that in itself is curative, Right. From that, then you get these so-called miraculous cures um, because you're in resonance with what's really happening. So, Michelle, this is what's so... What's really happening, yeah. Yeah, yeah this is great. great. Andrew. So as, as we start to close up, um, tell us a little bit, you mentioned just a few things about this amazing program that you and, and Professor Thurman are doing. And people who are listening know how much I adore him. I mean, this is an amazing individual. So you and Bob are, are engaged in this remarkable um, yoga uh, curriculum. Talk to us a little bit about that and how people can learn about it. The Vajra Yoga Program will obviously attach links and stuff to that. But um, people really need to know about what you and Bob are doing here. It's remarkable. Yeah, so so Bob Thurman, you know, he was uh, he's my teacher and... I started to uh, uh, to teach something called Buddha and the Yogis with him, and that was the uh, so he had started that with my teacher of Hatha Yoga, Richard Freeman and John Campbell, mm. and they were looking at you know where Buddhism and and uh, Hatha Yoga met and sharing ideas about it. And so then I came in. He asked me to come in and fill John's place, and then. We loved working together and we loved debating about things <laughs> and like Turiya and Clear Light, right? right. <laughs> and uh, and then he, he said, uh, will you do a school for me? And it started out to just be a 300-hour Yoga Alliance teacher training, which he had always wanted to have the yogis there at Menla. But then he had a dream after we started hmm. doing that. He had this dream that, out of the windows of Tibet House US in New York City, there were all these yogis hanging out and just it was so many yogis crammed in the room that they were, you know, flowing into the streets and filled, Tibet House was filled with yogis. And, and he said, I think that we need to do, you know, expand this and take Vajra Yoga around the world and help His Holiness uh, with his fourth aim. Mm -hmm. uh, that you know, being to to bring back Vajrayana uh, that was removed from India, in a sense, uh, with the the invasion of, you know, uh, the Islamic 
Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he he ended up, uh, you know, saying asking me to do this school, which we have now started a three hundred hour training, but now it's really taking off, and people want us to uh, do more programs, mm-hmm. including we would like to have Andrew Holacek and his team. <laughs> Head up the sleep and dream division. The sleep sleep (laughs) department. The sleep department. (laughs) Anyway, so, you know, Vajra Yoga is, it's, the intention is to, to bring in the teachings of the Buddha and and Vajrayana into the already established around the world popular yoga studios, Mm. right? And not to diminish Vajrayana, but to actually educate Mm. and be, have it, have it be an entryway level for just people everywhere, uh, you know, to experience uh, this, these teachings. And, you know, we believe in this kind of complex, globalized world that, that asks for, a, you know, a democratic access to what H, you know, that His Holiness Dalai Lama calls open-heartedness, right? Um, that this equates to a development of enlightenment through the three practices available to everyone, which is the mutual tolerance, transcendence of ideological and institutional conventions, and then just raising general kindness and empathy and compassion amongst all different kinds of people. And so, you know, giving giving people um, this opportunity to develop that, to cultivate those things, and also bring in sort of the three principles of the path into uh, the yoga center. And ethics being a big part of Vajra Yoga as well, because from seeing both on and in all of the traditions, so having ethical training um, for yoga teachers and, uh, and, and, that that is uh, one of our big intentions as well. Also, introducing people to um, Bardo and how to work, how the the yogi and the householders can understand the dying process, mm. right? And so, it's been successful because there are so many people out there that are practicing hatha yoga already, and that are also practicing Buddhism. And they are yoga, many of them yoga teachers that are wanting to figure out how do I bring these two together? And how do I share with the general public these teachings? And so it's it's become uh, a way for us, for people, you know, to share with teachers how to do that and bring to them the long rim Mm -hmm. (laughs) in sort of a nine-month. Uh, training program, and that can then be expanded on to four-year training and ongoing. So we're we're um, you know starting with just a, a three hundred hour training, but it's it's moving to we hope a four-year curriculum. Oh wow! As well. So wow, yeah. wow, Shida. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, how yeah. inspirational is that? Yeah. Well, we'll definitely. Just, yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry, dear. Yeah, we just, it's just, it's, uh, it's kind of up leveling, you know, it's up leveling the, 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 the current way that yoga has taught in yoga yeah. studios to bring up the whole psychological and well being 
to yeah, in, a, in, a, in a wonderful kind of cross cross pollination between these traditions, right? They have so much to That's offer. Right. And then tantric way, you bringing and working with both body and mind in a really yeah. skillful way is fantastic. And I can't imagine anybody better than you to do that. I don't know. See, I see, I see you as the deity, right? I have. I have. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. Your that, that, perception. That's, that that is that's that's it, Andrew. That's the only way it's possible. <laughs> Seriously. And I see you as as <laughs> now. Which deity are seeing me right now? Is <laughs> I don't want to ask. I this last year, twenty twenty, was a very interesting year, um, because. My father died oh, in October, sorry. and it was the day after I had audience with His Holiness. I was oh, actually flying wow. back. And I also saw Ling Rinpoche, who was the first uh, first to give me white Tara four years before, and who had blessed my mala back then, and I had thought of every day. Mm. And for some reason... I had not used that white mala since, you know, that time. But then in the beginning of 2020, I started, I had the opportunity to have the Abhishekam for Yamantaka and then Mm -hmm. started studying it. And then Bob gave me teachings and many wonderful things happened. And I did my uh, lay room and I did, had my fire puja on the uh, Scorpio eclipse. Hmm. that happened it was the lunar eclipse bob and i did a puja in his backyard in may of 2022 my father died on the the uh scorpio solar eclipse that happened six months later now the amazing thing about this is that i started to see myself, even though, you know, Chakra Sambara and Kala Chakra and Vajrayogini, those were my main practices. But then this year, Yamantika became my, you know, my practice. And I would walk around seeing myself with all those legs and my oh, giant yeah. phallus and, you know, and going down the street as this. And, but the interesting thing is that when I, the day that I was doing the fire puja, I picked up the white mala and that Ling Rinpoche had had blessed. And I started to use that from then on. And I Bob said, Oh, well, you know that the reason is because he is the one that is that lineage holder for Yamantaka. Mm. And I had a very special connection with him already. I knew that I did. So then in Dharmasala, I saw him four different times randomly the last time an hour before I was going to leave in the forest and I was on a walk going up before I had to get on this long plane and he ran into me walking down the forest path the other way and he said again and I said he then he said when are you leaving you know and it was it was just like like he had seen a, a an apparition or a, so, so then then the then I find out two days later that my father has passed away and the amazing thing the culmination of the story is that I was able to then uh whatsapp mm-hmm. to his attendant and they did the oh. bardo for mm-hmm. my father 
and so that whole year of doing the Father Tantra, learning my first Father Tantra, and it being Yamantaka, that that live the one the Buddha that liberates us from death, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and then having it having this special empowerment by the one oh. that that holds the lineage was quite something and i have to say pure magic exactly so i believe in it (laughs) and uh i see you as that too oh michelle thank you i mean these stories are just they're fantastic thank you so much for your courage and generosity and sharing them really it's just fantastic and so thank you andrew thanks for having me on Oh, it's such a delight a little wacky today but (laughs) no i want i want to introduce you to to our community you know we've been many people have been hearing about you and I've had the great pleasure to get to know you a little bit and even more so after our conversation together. So deep out gratitude for your time with us, for everything that you're doing. The Bajra Yoga program is just off the charts. And with, with you and yeah. and Bob at the helm, oh my gosh, I mean, you're like, you know, the sky's so to speak. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Uh, I will send you some yoga nidras for your, for your That'd be great. community and a right. few different types for them to try so they'll understand what I was trying to communicate. Perfect. Yeah, just, <laughs> okay. like, just like with any practice, it, it's really only when you engage in it and do it, then, then it starts to click for you. You know, It's, it's sometimes yeah. difficult to, to describe these things. So if they have the opportunity to actually explore it on their own, they'll see what the magic behind this practice is. Oh, that's so, where it is. Then you understand. That's where it comes from. Perfect. So Michelle, okay. really big, big, big bow of gratitude. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank um, you, Andrew. Until next time. I hope I'll time. see you soon. Maybe yes. at the Tibet House US Gala. Either there or <laughs> Menlo again this summer. So all the best okay. to you and um, look forward to the next conversation. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. And a big thanks to Michelle Lowe for taking time to share her amazing stories. If you enjoyed this nightclub offering, please check out everything else that's happening on this platform. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Mm-hmm.